0: Hello and welcome aboard the battleship
1: Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How are you doing, uh, Tyler? Do you know you know what seasonal affective disorder is? Uh, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> what is it, David? It's a, basically a person who it's sort of like if I like you know you're cold blooded like a cold blooded animal mm-hmm. their blood temperature changes with the temperature outside. Well, David, I'm hot blooded. Right. Check it and see. Seasonal affective disorder is essentially like uh as if your moods were cold-blooded. Your, yeah, okay. The, uh, a gloomy day will make you feel depressed. Okay, I got you. I've had yeah. some sort of reverse seasonal affective disorder mm. lately. It's been so fucking hot, especially... This is my first summer since moving to the Valley. Welcome. It's been so fucking hot, at night especially, that I just... Like, I can't get anything done. I just end up, like, drinking and watching, like, easy, like, sort of... Uh, like comfort food movies, you know that I've seen a million times. Like just not challenging myself at all and trying not to move from that perfect spot on the couch where the fan blows the hot air on me at the <laughs> least disgusting angle. Well, David, you're you know it's <laughs>
0: uh, you're, you're you're echoing my my sentiments exactly. I, I put something on Facebook the other day that uh, here's the deal: I spend all year dreading summer. I hate summer because I hate when it's hot. Uh-huh. and then all my friends are like, what are you talking about? Summer's great. It's lots of fun. And then summer comes along, and the, these same friends are like, man, it's hot. Shut up, asshole. <laughs> I get to say it's hot because I knew it was going to be hot. You don't get to – you've been talking about how great it is to surf and all you're, that. Why you're you the ant,
1: and they are the grasshopper. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: but So, uh, listen. Yes, very hot. I say that to say I am cheered up. My mood has turned around. Oh, good. All right. Because we have welcomed – we're about to welcome back – one of our favorite guests it's his his second time being on the the show proper but he was also on our our, our very first live show yeah ladies and gentlemen pat healy
3: hello hello it's good, good 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 to see you guys david uh-huh you gotta not wear the long sleeve shirt with the t shirt <laughs> underneath. It. It's one hundred and five <laughs> out here, and the uh,
1: black slacks. You know, yeah, I but
3: you are coming from work, so I understand yeah. that, and I understand the the, the seasonal. I, I don't feel like doing much in the summer either. I am a huge air conditioning nut. I can't live <laughs> without it. Oh my! I guess you don't have it, or you don't want to use it because it's too expensive.
1: We have um, one in the bedroom, a window unit. Yeah, a window unit in the bedroom, and then we have a window unit in the living room. But it's I've moved to a nice size apartment.
3: Um, and it's 10 degrees warmer in the valley, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, mm-hmm. this
1: window unit has clearly been there since the building was built in yeah. 1979 or something, and uh, it's, uh, it's not very effective.
3: Right. It's like it's run by a pulley system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We, uh, yeah, we
0: do not have a window unit in the bedroom, so uh, sleeping is, oh. is difficult. It gets it gets significantly cooler at night, so we just throw this fan in the window, and it's usually fine unless, of course, you stay up till 6 a.m. like I do, and you basically go to bed the minute the, w- the sun comes up. And then you sleep. You get about three hours of good sleep, and then it's a hundred degrees in your room because you're pulling that air in, saying, "I now, want some." Now, of listen.
1: That. You're not a college student anymore. I'm not saying you're yeah, rich. What is, what's What's happening? But like, no, I, I wasn't going to talk about the staying up all night. Oh, I'm just, okay. I'm just used to that at this point. Oh, yeah, boy. that's I'm nothing not, new. I'm not saying you're rich, but you could get a window unit for under a hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah but,
0: uh, what? But not like not. Uh, not, it wouldn't work with, like, the windows that we have oh, okay. is I've the problem.
1: I've been inside your bedroom, like, once. So oh, Are they
3: strangely shaped windows? Well, there's, like, <laughs> I've, I... Back before we like got... Like, star-shaped? <laughs> trape- trapezoids. <laughs> back before we got this bad boy,
0: that we had a terrible uh, air conditioner, and we were looking for uh, uh, another one, and uh, came to discover that uh, the, the way that our windows open, which is, of course...
3: Uh, Vertically, uh, yes. of oh,
0: uh, There are air conditioners that work for that, but they're not that
3: good. Yeah. And I would expensive? imagine it'd have to be like extra long. Yes. yes. Yeah, or you'd have to put up one of those uh, curtain, like those little uh, the bellow yeah, curtains yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. they call that, like the hospital curtain thing. Yeah.
0: It. So it's, uh, it's, it's a problem, but uh, I should probably start going to bed a little. How about this? If I go to bed three hours earlier, I'm going to bed at 3 a.m., so maybe I should start doing that. So I just is it I, really that cool at
3: six in the morning?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It it'll drop. There's usually easily, easily a thirty degree difference between uh night and day. Wow. So it's good stuff. What, what did your say? wife do? Uh, you mean Does she go to sleep earlier Yeah she usually goes to bed about uh, midnight or one
3: But see like uh, women are My mother and father are like this My girlfriend and I are like this They're, they're always r- with a blanket wrapped around them <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm always like sweating my bees off <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah uh, she, she Hey don't s- you hate it with it Try to get the air conditioning on. Your girlfriend always wants it warm. <laughs> Sorry I wasn't trying to do a bit I, I, Or I was and it went nowhere I apologize well, my,
0: uh, you know, it's my theory is keep it cold all the time, and then you can just put you can just pile on more things. Yes. If it's hot all the time, you can't. You, the you joke I've been saying for years: there's me. only so many layers you can take off before you get arrested. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it but doesn't David, make any sense
3: to me. Let's let's come back to this. It does need to take a few layers off. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, uh, David will. Like, he's got we'll his take like thermal uh, shirt on. <laughs> it's
1: kind of, uh, Yeah, I do wear layers. He's got like
3: snow pants. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, David, as we as we mentioned uh, two weeks ago with Jesse Thorne, I I try to dress a little better, uh, inspired by you, by your idea of dressing like an you know like an adult. Uh Uh, But during the summer, all bets are off. You know, Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to wear the button up shirt tucked in. You know, I got uh, I'm I'm already
1: you wearing Umbros around the house. I stuck (laughs) with that
3: for so many years. I'd wear the suit in the summer and all. Living in Chicago was incredibly humid too, and Mm -hmm. I've just become such a bum. I look like an old Italian man playing bocce ball in can't 1963. Even, can't even be bothered to put laces in your shoes. No. Yeah. See, look at me. I'm
0: lazy. Um, now, bef- now, enough weather talk, David. <laughs> okay. All sorry. right. There's something I wanted to get to. Uh, so the other day I was reading, I believe it was either Facebook or Twitter, and uh, our friend Pat Healy uh, threw something out there that I read it, and it seemed like, yeah, okay, and it was fine. And Uh-oh. the more I thought about it, the more furious I got. This was not something you said. It wasn't an opinion Uh-oh. you were putting out. You made me aware of something that the more I thought about it, the more angry I got. Uh-oh. To the point what now... What is it? I'll uh. tell you. Oh, big. my God. Put that <laughs> knife down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I I can't even really articulate... Why it angers me well, Thankfully we've what, got What the, what we've the got tweet here. was
3: It has to have been Twitter
0: It had to do with I believe a critic stating That kick ass kicks
1: ass
3: Yes that was a I, I, I went by a, a blockbuster video store <laughs> And I saw the poster <laughs> for kick ass And one of the quotes was Kicks ass And it's like you effing retard. <laughs> like, excuse me. It, I know that word's politically Peter, incorrect these Peter, days. But Peter like, Travers, Rolling Stone. I didn't, I didn't even get close enough to see who it was, but, like, really? I mean, it really just made me sad about journalism. Not, yeah. not together, but it's just, like, that's who we hire now. Like, that's nobody – like, that guy doesn't have – Did you read that interview that Patton Oswald did with some Washington, D.C. newspaper a few weeks ago where the guy, like. Yeah, it sounded so uncomfortable to me, I just, like, decided I'd. I'd And it was bad enough this guy asked terrible questions and then didn't get any follow ups and didn't adjust his style and everything. But but there's no editor. There's (laughs) no, like. And that was this, like, I would have been, like,. Listen, you lazy piece of shit. Like, kick-ass kicks ass. Get (laughs) back in your office. I'm going to lock you in there with the air conditioning off with a T-shirt and a long sleeve shirt over it and your snow pants, and you're not coming out, so you come up with something better than that.
1: Yeah, well, it's literally just... Because it's it's the type of, quote-unquote, journalism that's just like, you need to write 200 words about something because we can't have just ads. Right. We, We need something to support the ads. And also, it's just... Even for
0: just... Being a shill It's it's so generally uncreative It's, you know, I was trying to think of a Comparison and here's what I got A TV critic Talking about Tim and Eric awesome show great job and says It's an awesome show right. Great job Tim and Eric <laughs> Like that's that to me is the equivalent <laughs> where Or like American Beauty It's a real American beauty <laughs> yeah. It's like what wow. It's uh I, get, I couldn't think of anything worse Because at the time When you brought when you brought it up I was like Oh that's You know That's kind of funny I guess that is a little
3: frustrating And then it just I think some people took it as I was I was uh, making a commentary on the movie Which I actually hadn't seen So But, yeah. but no It was just sorely You the don't topic. have to have
0: seen the film For this comment To bother the hell <laughs> no, out of you No it <laughs> really
3: Really is troublesome
0: But man it just I, I couldn't I, I couldn't get it out of my head and I was so excited to have Pat on the show to be like, "Oh, I'm with you, man. Like I'm so glad you made you raised awareness of yeah. this." Yeah.
3: It it kicks ass. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> the title's telling us that. And then someone else puts it on there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's there's so many levels of
0: bad decisions on that. Um it's the same thing as uh I, I, wonder, I,
3: like, I wonder if anybody's looking at it and we're like, I wonder if this movie Kick Ass Kicks at- Oh <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it does. We've got confirmation. Peter Raynor. <laughs> um, Peter Travers. Yeah, he's uh they he should, he's he the should just have a, it. a just a just one that they can use all the time. And it's just <laughs> it just it's just Peter Travers and it's just like uh I liked it, I like this <laughs> <laughs> and they just they just can use it yeah. with impunity. <laughs>
0: yeah. There's, uh, th- I, I'm okay. This is going to take us in a different direction, but um, for about a year, I became really fascinated by quote horrors. Uh, and of course, there's Ur- Sean Edwards, and there's uh, Earl Dittman is the big one. Um, people that are so much worse than Peter. Earl Trumpers. Dittman, <laughs> yeah.
3: That guy used to be Jim Shavada, who's like the classical like uh, radio DJ here in LA for years. Oh, really? Yeah, it's
0: it is fascinating. I read somebody because uh, because Ditman is is clearly like a just a total shill. Right. He's so excited to go on these junkets that he will write page after page of literally nauseating hyperbole. Like you read it and you are like, no movies. <laughs> the way you are talking about robots. <laughs> no movie is <laughs> no movie could possibly be that good.
1: Um but uh oh it's just the worst. And <laughs> looks like Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins has the Oscar all tied yeah. up. Yeah. This, wa- this <laughs> Roscoe
3: Jenkins can be welcomed home. <laughs> <laughs> Earl Dittman. Um but
0: it's uh Welcome
3: home, welcome home Roscoe <laughs> Jenkins. There's to Earl
0: Ditman's house. The thing that makes me laugh is is on on like T V commercials for uh for a a particular movie, and they'll have quotes from from critics there. But it's because TV, it's just, like, going to be a one- or two-word quote. And it always makes me laugh because it happens frequently that for a comedy, one of the quotes will just say, funny.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 so,
0: well, all right. I guess
3: that's – Yeah. It is delivered on its promise. Not to uh, name drop, but uh, – Paul Thomas Anderson told me a very interesting story years ago. He was doing the um, ads for Punch Drunk Love with Mm -hmm. the guy from Sony. And uh, it was his first movie with them. And uh, he just didn't get what this guy was doing at all. And just said he came right out and said, and he's very notorious for having control over Mm -hmm. all aspects, including the advertising. He said, these are terrible. You know, like, I, I don't like these at all. They don't. They don't speak about the movie. You know, they're not they're not good. And this guy said, Paul, the audience is stupid. You have to Uh, tell them uh, what to think. And Paul said, no, you're making them stupid by doing mm -hmm. things like this. And uh, he got the guy taken off the campaign and got somebody else. And I think something like two weeks later, that guy was the guy who was caught up, he was embroiled in a scandal at Sony where he had made up a fake critic's yes. name oh, I that. and put quotes on two movies, uh, A, Night's, a Tale Night's Tale and The Animal with Rob Schneider. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the guy who's in charge of the marketing. He's he's doing that, and he's the guy who's great idea. Like, you should listen to his other great ideas because he has great ideas like pulling names, fake names, and it was from a real newspaper, so anyone from that paper could have seen that ad. Probably the ad ran in their paper, <laughs> and they went like, "We don't have a Bob Forrester that works here." Like what? And one phone call, and it's like, "What happened here?" And it's like, uh, "I uh, excuse me." <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, that story is fascinating, but I view, it as a, I view it as a loss because you reminded me that the animal existed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, s- I'm I had, really sad I now. was
3: reminded of that the other day when I heard Rob Schneider <laughs> being interviewed on the Howard Stern Show, and he was talking about that movie because the girl from Survivor was in it, and then she was like never to be heard oh, from again. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, A Knight's Tale is not, uh, not a great movie, but it's, I'd say, better than people want to give it credit for. I've never seen this, it. This is a segue. This is what I'm doing here. We're uh, ah. sit back, and, Pat. This is a pleasure,
0: a privilege. Ah, so kick back we and watch David David's work. Like, oh my God, this. he's taking his shirts off.
1: <laughs> um, Put the knife. He's down rolling out. up his sleeves. No, okay. Segway over uh, our topic this week. Now Tyler and I did. It's pro- I don't. I don't think it's even available anymore. No, There's it's like of, episode five. One right? of our first like ten, yeah, ten episodes we talked about. It's it. only on kinescope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Museum of Television and Radio. <laughs> uh, our, oh. uh, our our our. Uh, what we considered underrated movies. Mm-hmm. So now uh, it's it's Pat's turn. We're going to talk about some of what he what he considers to be underrated movies. Mm-hmm. But we're also we're also going to sort of in, in true uh, snooty Battleship retention academic fashion. Ew. We're going to use it to talk about underrated movies in general and and yeah. uh, explore that idea. What makes and a movie underrated? Now, mm-hmm. I want to I want to start.
3: Good un homme,
1: and sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to start by giving myself another opportunity to talk about Scott Pilgrim. Oh, okay. But, I mean, okay, yes, I think it's great. That's beside the point. Mm -hmm. Um, And and this will sort of get into the idea of uh, defining what underrated is, because Scott Pilgrim is uh, doing very well with critics, for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, The people who have seen it love it. It's got a very high Q rating, Mm -hmm. in that sense. But it's just... Tanking at the box office, mm-hmm. so is 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 Scott Pilgrim an underrated movie? No, I, I would st- I would say that underrated movies seem to be
3: movies that even the critics missed the boat on at the time. And mm-hmm. what what seems to be what seems to drive a movie to that kind of status? And you know, I'm I'm glad to say that like a lot of the movies that I feel that way about do come around after a number of years, even if it's ten years or twenty mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh a movie like Fight Club for example was o- was over my head when I saw it the first time and certain critics clir- critically wasn't very it was sort of mixed mm-hmm. I- including some very bad reviews including famously by Roger Ebert mm-hmm. and then d- didn't do well at the box office I didn't like it but I've yeah. seen it in eight I, years I love or so. it now I really, really do and and uh and I didn't like it at all when I first saw it I I liked it And I think we might have even it. talked about this before on the show but uh That's it's yeah. possible.
1: It's a common topic, and yeah. but it's
3: not; it's no longer could be considered an underrated film because it's become sort of a classic, you know, it mm, right. became a cult classic, became a hit on on, on videos, and I, I think it 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 is you know stood the test of time. Uh, you know, with Scott Pilgrim, one can only say I don't think it's underrated because the critics and everyone that I know that I talked to that seen it seems to love it. So I don't, I I don't think it's, it'll ever be a movie that like slipped under the rug but it's maybe just not for mass audiences you know Any any more than like transformers 2 is overrated because everyone mm-hmm. seems to have seen it and, and yeah i see presumably liked it you know yeah.
1: but I, I i do think scott pilgrim will maybe not mass audiences but i do think something about uh, there, there are some people who will be turned off by or i'd say the majority of people are going to be turned off by it's i don't know I didn't it's, dislike it's it, but I must say that I
3: I it I didn't relate to it. It didn't speak to me.
1: Right, mm-hmm. but I, but just apart from that, I I I do think that it will find a larger audience on home video. I think people. I would agree. Once but, they don't have to put down ten fifty to go see yeah. it, will be willing to take a risk and 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 we'll find that despite all its uh, goofiness and, and eccentricity, it's. Uh, it's a very enjoyable movie to watch. It's,
3: yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that's not surprising to me that it didn't do well. It's not to everyone's taste, but, I mean, mm-hmm. a movie like The Big Lebowski, certainly I, I liked it when I first saw it, but I I don't, I don't, didn't recognize th- how brilliant it was, and I really don't think anybody did. A movie kind of came and went, both critically and financially, and I remember seeing it on DVD a year or so later and just being like, wow, how did I, like, miss Yeah, how really great and brilliant this is so I mean no, movies like that almost belong in another realm it's like it, it's also the kind of the mark of a really great movie that it's mm-hmm. gets better every time that you see it but I
1: also think Big Lebowski is a good example because I think this happens a lot with comedies because sometimes most a of the films I
3: found that were on my list were uh, I mean I think all of them were comedies
1: a comedy will come out and uh, I think comedy and what just we as a culture find funny is always. It's kind of fluid. It's always kind of changing, mm. and sometimes a film will come out that's maybe just six months ahead of the curve. Correct. Uh, and uh, I think Office Space is a great example. Yes. Uh, you mm-hmm. know um, that yeah, that really really did poorly at well, the box office. Well,
3: yeah, it did, and it's something like the it's it's like the second or third highest selling Fox DVD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, people buy those staplers now. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly, <laughs> they have them from the movie. Yeah, uh, you know, Swingline actually had to start making the red because yeah. they had discontinued the red stapler by Correct. that point. They started making the red one again because right. people wanted it from the movie.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, films like that. I mean, I, you know, hopefully we we do some kind of service here by talking about them, just like other people do. Because a lot of times you'll read if you read film comment, you know, which is like one of the film magazines that I do read. You have. The section of Guilty Pleasures, which we talked about on here last time, or uh-huh. underrated films. And somebody like, you know, some great filmmaker, you know, just talks about how much he loves showgirls. And you go, like, you know, uh, and you see it, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, it does bring people around to, like, uh-huh. you know, reevaluating a movie like that or, or, you know, and that certainly would be a movie on my list because it's, it's, uh, I, it's not what people think it is at all. I, I I don't know how you could watch that and think that the director doesn't know that it's yeah. A satire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean that in any kind of pretentious way at all. It's it's clearly like an over-the-top... I mean, the way she puts ketchup on her french fries is, is <laughs> like frantic in that movie. <laughs> Everything is,
1: you know, keyed up. Do you find... To talk about showgirls for a second... Yeah. Uh, I just could, watched it again, too. Because uh, I agree that it clearly is... It's It's... Intentional and for the most part consistent, but that that rape scene really doesn't seem to work for me.
3: Perhaps that's that's something that 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 you know it hits people in the wrong way. I've talked mm-hmm. to people about um, without giving it away, uh, Shutter Island, and there's something in the end that's so heavy for people that it it it, right. it switches them off the movie mm-hmm. um there's another film that would be on my list which i think is a masterpiece and I, I don't know if people will ever come around to it it was out last year called observe and report that uh, Jodie hill made yeah. with seth rogan and it's i think that's it's a really different movie and it really like does some edgy things in it that i think
1: i think this is like scott pilgrim you and i kind of switched like i really i thought you like i uh, see observe a lot report. to to respect and applaud about Observer Report, but I don't know that it was 100% successful.
3: Yeah, and I've heard a lot of people say that. And to mm-hmm. me, I just think it's a, it just seems like it's ahead of the curve. It's interesting to me. Uh, because but I understand th- people not liking it. It's its a, it's <laughs> it's a, a, a little big like, splash of cold water, yeah.
0: Um, sp- I'd say maybe a splash of boiling hot water. Yeah, on the so. but but yeah, That's
1: one of those things where I... And then a kick in the balls. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those movies that I want to buy just because there are... A couple scenes that I'm going to want to watch over and over again, mm-hmm. specifically I him.
3: You'll like it better again.
1: Is, but been? Seth Rogen talking to the police psychiatrist about his dream <laughs> Amazing. is the best scene in the movie. <laughs> Amazing. And then I, because I, uh, I really love
0: *Observe and Report*, and I, I wasn't, man, I wasn't expecting to, but uh, it just has such nice little moments, like where they're going to, like Ray is going to embarrass Seth Rogen, and then his friend like comes out of the, the bathroom or closet or whatever it is and just says like yeah i thought this was going to be funny but it's, it's like, kind of sad it's yeah. the whole movie in microcosm no, really no
3: it's great and it is kind of sad and i i think that you're hitting on something there about all these movies that i noticed too which is tonally mm-hmm. what is it and mm-hmm. if a movie like that is it's it's a comedy and it's got a you know big obvious comedy star in it and but it's got these horrifically violent and dark yeah. things in it. And I think if, it, you know, it's not to say that audiences are are dumb or anything like that. But I think that if you're combining things like that and it's not been done before, it's something new. And people don't always respond to that. They might like a Pulp Fiction, you know, like mm-hmm. at the time. But um, generally speaking, these movies ride some kind of newly invented tone. I Mm -hmm. think a language that people haven't seen before. And I think that's what puts people off. And then it doesn't do well at the box office and it critically, they're confused about what it is and it sort of lingers. And, and, um, a lot of these movies, you know, thankfully movies like fight club office space, the big Lebowski, uh, you know, have found, um, their audiences and even showgirls. I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, it's regarded as a camp classic by some people and mm-hmm. it's regarded as a you know genuinely good pe- movie by other people and and um but i could say that taxi driver was a hit in 1976 because death wish had been out 2 years before and people oh, wow. liked it because of that and that's true mm-hmm. it wasn't a yeah, hit because people it's funny you can really knew what that movie was about
1: They uh, do y- now but y- i think this tonal thing is is a real key to how well these movies or how poorly these movies often do in the box office because to advertise a movie, th- the studio is going to want it to fit into one of maybe maybe six categories Right. that you could and and at that's le- at the most and that's uh I mean
3: look look at Scott Pilgrim I mean I didn't know what that was mm-hmm. and I and if it wasn't for Edgar Wright I would not have seen that and I imagine a lot more people are a lot less hip than I am as to like what. <laughs> That is You're right, mm. and I've seen it, and I'm still not sure. You know, and maybe I will, you know, reassess it. But uh, it's it's not an easy movie to sell. What that is, you yeah, know? and yeah that but that's like what makes movies great. S-
1: so much. Speaking of, of showgirls and Paul Verhoeven, another great underrated Paul Verhoeven movie is Starship Troopers. But I that's, think. That's, that's one on that's come around now. That's one that's so.
3: genuinely like you hear people like the Cohen brothers. That's their favorite film. Or, uh-huh. or uh, mm. you know, my brother works in the in the film preservation. Uh, you know department in george eastman house in rochester new york and martin scorsese keeps his collections of prints there and he has a print he owns a print of starship troopers <laughs> <laughs> you know that's, so yeah that's a movie that has come around
1: yeah so. but th- it, do- it does have that problem where it was sold as a sci-fi action movie right. because how do you sell the actual tone of starship it's troopers a, in a it's trailer a
3: satire of fascism <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you get that across yeah, like in a two blast. minutes and yeah. make you want to see it well i want to talk about a movie that, thankfully, I think is finally in the last couple of years coming around. And it's my favorite movie of all time. Oh, my. And it's The King of Comedy by no. Mark Scorsese. Which I have not seen. And, wow, really? Yeah, I have I'm, also not seen it. Wow. Know. Okay, yeah, well, I'm here you go. It's my favorite movie. All uh, right, don't spoil
0: anything for Well,
3: us. <laughs> I won't, b- except to say <laughs> I'm that. I'm joking. Say yeah, what you got to say. It, it's, uh, you know, it's been 27 years. <laughs> and more you know and it, it it uh it it only gets better every time and it's a movie that's so ahead of its time that it's really only about it's actually about now uh. it's about fame and celebrity and wanting something just to be famous and the dementia that comes with that and it it's you know celebrity it's uh about society It's about addiction to media. It's about all these things that we really only started talking about in the last few years. And it also rides a very uncomfortable tone between Mm -hmm. Uh hilarity and and really... I mean, the character is sort of like Travis Bickle as a stand-up comedian. Uh And he is a really deluded person. And he lives half in a fantasy world and half in a... And it's De Niro's best performance. There's, There's no question... That I've seen this movie probably close to a hundred times. And I forget that its he's just Rupert Pupkin. Like, that's not Robert De Niro. He just completely disappears. Hmm. And and Jerry Lewis, uh, you know, in a serious turn, but as a comedic person, as, mm-hmm. you know, sort of himself, but as mm-hmm. the host of a, a talk show. And De Niro plays... An obsessed fan of this, you know, Johnny Carson like figure that Jerry Lewis plays, who really wants to get on his show. He's a comedian, but he's never performed live anywhere. He just (laughs) wants to stand outside. He collects autographs, makes his way in his car, and says, you know, we listen to my tape and put you on your show. And just can't believe that he won't, this guy won't give him the time of day to, and he just obsessively tracks him down until. Eventually, I mean, I think everybody knows what the movie is about. Yeah. He, he kidnaps him yeah. in order to get a spot on his show. And what happens in turn is is really an exact commentary on things that are only happening now, like where celebrities are becoming, people are becoming famous for having done nothing or for for having done awful things like starring sex tapes and committing crimes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being drug acts and things. And you can really make a good living doing that now. And it's, the movie is from 1983. I mean, it was made in 1981. And it was supposed to come out in 82, and it came out in early 83. And it's it's now like they just did a screening of it at the TCM, at the Turner Classic Movies, their first classic film festival, a brand-new print, hmm. and Jerry Lewis was there and spoke. And I unfortunately was out of town and couldn't go to it. But it's finally yeah. coming around, and you're hearing people talk about that movie and referencing it a lot more.
1: You know what's. uh, I'm glad. uh, I'm glad that we live in an age when that can happen because of. You know, and and it's going to be more and more. No film is ever going to be lost again. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I just think. I just shudder to think at all the movies from, like, the 20s and 30s that are probably underrated underrated gems that don't even exist It's
3: anymore. amazing. I mean, I, I mean, you know, my brother works at George Eastman House, and they restore and they preserve a lot of those films that are not on video and, not, you know, probably will never be on video. And some of them are just – we sit there and we watch prints of them, and some of them are just remarkable, and you mm-hmm. just go like, yeah. And, and, and it's like, you know, you hear people's favorite movies of all time list, and then you go – it's such an insult because – that wouldn't have existed without this movie without that one which started mm. with these movies mm-hmm. that you know and a lot of them are like 70 and 80 minutes and they do what it takes movies 130 150 minutes to do now yeah mm-hmm. it's not like But we've I just on remember when I when things. I worked on the
1: Paramount lot like listening in on the tours at one point just there were there were these like storage rooms that I mean the Paramount lot is like uh, it's of the major studios it's the oldest yeah um that's continually existed. And there were storage rooms that they had films in that they hadn't opened for decades. When they opened it, the films were just sludge. They Do you
3: b- want to hear some frightening things? Yeah. My brother, George Eastman House is like the second largest collection of motion picture films in North America, something like that, I think after UCLA. They have the original camera negatives from Gone with the Wind and The Wizard wow. of Oz, arguably the two most famous films of all time. Because someone at MGM was throwing them In a garbage can Uh So before home video Before this preservation movement Which really only started in the 1980s Mm -hmm. Yeah it was rotting I mean Lawrence of Arabia Which was a huge hit It won the best picture Oscar Uh Was rotting away Mm -hmm. And was preserved in the late 80s Yeah, I mean it's uh, You know
0: There's a story about um, Buster Keaton Who uh, he had he had fallen out of favor. Nobody really cared about him anymore, and uh, and this one guy who was, uh whose name I don't recall, but was seen as something of a parasite uh, on the Hollywood uh, you know system. And so he he actually found Buster Keaton and said, like, hey, uh, you know, I occasionally uh, run this uh, theater, and I'd like to run some of your films. And Buster Keaton is like, oh, I think I got some out here in the garage. <laughs> so he takes him out there, and it's what it, it's uh, like nitrate or whatever, uh-huh. and as we've all learned from uh, *Inglorious Bastards, <laughs> uh, this guy was horrified, because, like, Buster Keaton's just sitting there, like, smoking a cigarette right. in the in a, basically a garage full of explosives, <laughs> and just being like, yeah, just take what you need, you know, it's fine. <laughs> because he but Not so... like he hadn't
3: risked his life his entire career. <laughs> well, that that's way. true, yeah, <laughs> he
0: broke his neck and never knew it, but, like, it's, uh, and so this guy was just like, oh my gosh, like, first off, it's astounding that this guy is not terrified right now of being dead, but also that this guy, who spent his whole life making these films, just uh, was just content to let them uh, go to seed like this, and uh, and so he, this guy is as, as uh, parasitic as he could be. Um, he. He was responsible
3: for preserving
0: a lot of the uh, Buster Keaton films. and so uh, I think
3: that the reason that we have Stagecoach is because uh, Bogdo- Peter Bogdanovich was mm-hmm. interviewing John Wayne for the John Ford documentary that he made in the 70s. And Wayne had a print of every one of his films that was in his deal in his garage. Mm. And that one, the, the negative didn't exist anymore. Hmm. And it was a pristine print, you know, from the '30s. You know, John Wayne's first big movie, and then mm-hmm. you know, oh, can I take that? And then that's why we have that, and that's why that movie keeps, you know, coming out in new editions every year. Yeah, we've
1: had two deluxe DVD, like DVDs of Stagecoach in the yeah, past and five the Blu-ray years. Has just
3: come out, or it's coming out because so. Warner Brothers Criterion. put out a great one. Yeah, and Criterion, Criterion just did it. Yeah. Blu-ray and the DVD. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's 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 astounding because you know, I mean, I'm. I'm only 28. I may feel old sometimes, but I'm only 28. God bless And you. so, like VHS, you know, VHS was around when yeah. I was a kid. So the idea of something just not being available never uh, occurred to me. Um, but there's yeah, there's entire
3: films. Yeah, that I- I'm certainly lucky with certain people. There's there's a film that I think one print of it exists. Sony has it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called. It's either called the Dion Brothers or it's called um, the Gravy Train. From the early to mid-70s, it was a movie that Terrence Malick wrote and was going to direct, and eventually he oh, uses a pseudonym on the film, and Jack Starrett, who's a great hmm. action and exploitation director from the 70s, did direct it. And it's, it, 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 I know Tarantino loves it because he shows it occasionally, and if you see it, they, you see the same print wherever you go. It's got the same scratches on it. Hmm. Nobody knows about this movie. I mean, it's like the blueprint for everything that Tarantino has done. And well. I don't know how to like, w- you know, preserve that movie or what's going to happen with it because I, you got to use your Hollywood clout. I know. Well, if there's no demand, mm. if the, if the movie wasn't financially, you know, successful, and it's not, if people aren't clamoring for it. They don't put it out on home video. But the nice thing now is all these companies, like the Warner Archive, is doing it, and, and mm-hmm. um, MGM hasn't. Universal does the Vault. You can h- order. DVDs to order from of of these movies that they don't want to put out yeah and another one which was a film that I saw as a kid it's actually the first R-rated movie I ever snuck into in 1981 when I was 10 years old and I wondered if it had held up because I'd seen it many times on cable at the time and then it kind of disappeared and it's brilliant and everyone I've shown it to is 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 feels the same way it's called so fine it's andrew bergman mm-hmm. who wrote the in-laws which is a you know classic mm-hmm. comedy from the 70s that was remade into a not so classic comedy a few years ago with michael douglas and albert brooks oh, i did not but uh that. and andrew bergman made the freshman with Marlon brando and, and yeah. matthew broderick and mm-hmm. and it's uh it's a, a really great comedy it's kind of like a mix of like that wild frank tashlin you know cartoonish comedy and the preston sturges you know mm-hmm. very smart comedies that where ryan o'neill plays a college professor a very sort of like erudite guy and uh, his father is jack warden who's in the garment business is a very mm-hmm. sort of like rough guy and uses a lot of coarse language and stuff and warden's going out of business and he owes money to the mob and it's uh, the, the mobster is uh, richard keogh who hey, you might oh know that. as jaws from uh, the james mm-hmm. bond films and uh he wants him to bring he makes him bring his son into the business and they kidnap the college professor who falls in love with Richard Keel's wife. They have an affair. They have sex one night. He um, Richard Keel comes home. He doesn't have his clothes, so he puts on his this is the early eighties, so he puts on Richard Keel's wife's designer jeans <laughs> and he and her like Angora sweater and he's and her slippers and he's he's sneaking out and he um, stops to pick something up and his pants split in the back and his ass is exposed (laughs) and he finds a couple pieces of plastic clear plastic to put cover out it (laughs) and when he walks into his father's office everybody in the lobby goes wow look at these amazing new jeans what's (laughs) this great new look and it becomes a sensation and they get rich off of it and that's the first act of the movie (laughs)
0: That's really that's quite, quite, when the credits roll that's, i mean uh, it 's
3: just like an amazing movie it just builds and builds and builds and has all these satire of academia and uh opera and movies and entertainment the fashion industry like and every joke like works i i I loaned it to our friend Josh a mm-hmm. friend of the show and and you know he he had never seen it and uh he he, he felt the same way i mean it 's just an amazingly Hilarious movie, so fine, which Hmm. you can get from the Warner Archive. You can order that Warner Archive online. So
1: speaking of rare films and speaking of Jerry Lewis as we were earlier, Mm. do you think we'll ever get to see The Day the Clown Cried? Do you think that'll ever – I mean, I know – I mean, Harry Shearer is rumored to have a print of it.
3: I don't mm. think that we'll ever see it, and the reason is a lot of people don't know, and if you read Sean Levy's really good book, King of Comedy, the biography of Jerry Lewis, which is – an amazing book if you love him or hate him, or Mm -hmm. both, as I do, Um, that apparently the real issue is the people who had the... that the producers of the film, as he knew it, Uh did not have the life rights to the guy. And Mm. he he wasn't aware of that. And so the movie has been tied up in litigation. But that's really the real reason. And, you know, recently there's been some talk about the people that do have the life rights of redoing it. Hmm. Oh, like I, I want, I want, I want to see Jim it. Or whatever. I, I don't I know hear that it can be shown. And I know that Jerry Lewis doesn't like it to be shown. Because no, yeah.
1: He, I don't think it can be, can be shown uh, publicly. Uh, yeah, I, but I know illegally. That, but uh, I mean, Harry Shearer is said to have a print of it and will occasionally Well, no, he didn't screenings. say that. He
3: said that he saw it. Which I is think that's – but knowing that he, story, Harry Shearer
1: is a guy who collects rare – he has rare videos. Of, and, and Where would he uh, have gotten
3: it, though? I don't know. Because but apparently Jerry Lewis is has the only – what I heard was that
1: he showed it to him. Hmm. Oh, really? But uh, – because I know that, like, uh, Patton Oswald said he's seen it. He did? Yeah, because he said he – I guess he – uh, I, I read the story forever ago, so I'm probably they getting used to do a reading of the script of it at Largo years ago that he was <laughs> in, uh, that he organized
3: and, like, David Cross was in and stuff.
1: But I think Pat Noswalt like, met Jerry Lewis and said something to him about the film, like, said that he'd seen it, and Jerry Lewis was very upset about you that. You don't bring that up. Like, uh, yeah. there
3: was a thing. Uh, I've seen him speak twice, and he can be a very nice man. I've met him, but, like, uh, at Columbia College, like, many years ago, he was speaking, and somebody s- stood up and said, Yes, Mr. Lewis, I, I was wondering if... Um, you know, we'll ever see uh, your film uh, Day of the Clown Cried. And now Jerry Lewis program programmed that everyone, because that movie is a quote-unquote joke, that everyone's making fun of them if they uh-huh. bring it up. So this this neat kid asked this, I think in all sincerity, and Jerry Lewis said, yes, uh, I think the answer to that is, none of your goddamn business. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of that.
1: I didn't wonder what he said to him. Uh, I, you know, there was, I'm trying to remember where I read it. I think... um when he's back, asked
3: about it, he's like he can't even talk about it.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I want to say back when, um, like a year, ago, uh, no, earlier this year was the year before when Jerry Lewis got the honorary Oscar. I think it was the year before. I don't um, recall. There was uh, a yeah, it was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, there was an Entertainment Weekly story about that time about Jerry Lewis, and I think there was like a like we just a sidebar about Day "The Daily Clown," the "Daily Clown" cried, and I think that's where I read that. That Pat Noswell had seen it. But well, I'm going to say that he's
3: probably the most underrated film artist, even though I, I won't stand behind everything he's done, but he's definitely. And, you know, he, he's his own worst enemy in terms of his image, but, like, he's, he's a really amazing filmmaker in a lot of ways and made some amazing films and been in some amazing films, mm. just to throw that out there. But there's an amazing story from that group of guys. And it's like the friend, the guys from Baltimore, like Patton and Blank Apache mm-hmm. and a few other guys. And I don't know who it was that worked for Jerry Lewis as an assistant. And, um, Jerry Lewis, I think it might've been on King of Comedy uh-huh. in New York. And Jerry Lewis like didn't talk to the guy, the whole mo- shoot, you know, like all three months or whatever, yeah. like never said a word for him. The guy opened every door and did all those things to him. <laughs> and on the final day, you know, called him into his office and he was like, Oh, and, uh, Goes in his office and Jerry Lewis is like standing at this big picture window and looking out <laughs> the like Central Park West or whatever. Turns around and says, "Oh yes, uh, just wanted to tell you you're a, you're a great young man and you, you did an exceptional job and this is for you." And he gives him hands him an envelope <laughs> and uh, he opens the envelope up and uh, it's a it's a check for like three hundred billion dollars. <laughs> And Jerry Lewis doesn't smile. He doesn't (laughs) laugh. He just leaves the guy standing there, and he goes back to the window, and he just. And the guy just eventually just left. And it was like, what is the joke? I mean, he's a classic uh, practical jokester. Uh Like, tons of his prank calls and stuff like that that are amazing. But, like, what a weird cat, man. Uh, I love that story. Hundred billion billion. Like, was he saying, like, you're shit. Like, you didn't do, eh, like, here, yeah, ha, ha.
1: You know? I'd like to think that he had the joke planned from day one of the oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he was like, I'm not going to talk to this guy for three months, <laughs> and then I'm going <laughs> to give him this check. With $300 billion. Or <laughs> at
0: the very d- least, it's like, it's okay, instead like of paying him, I will pay him in this story. <laughs> right. <laughs> what exactly. do you think? Exactly. Right. He can tell the <laughs> That's worth it's rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth its weight in gold. Um, now, uh, to get us back on topic, yes. although whatever, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, man, whatever. Uh, the. Let me ask you this, because you mentioned – you mentioned uh, King of Comedy, and uh, and, you, and David, you also mentioned uh, Starship Troopers, and those are films that, as you mentioned, people are starting to come around on. Yeah. Do you have any movies that you think are
3: underrated, that you're still the only one on this? Uh, I've got... I'm pretty alone on Observe and Report. I mean, it's nice to hear I, that, I you that you say that you love yeah. it, but I mean, there's a group of people that... You're always going to find your little group, but... Yeah. I I find one that I I think is really great, and and I think people had their reasons for not liking it at the time, even though I never really understood it. Which is AI, uh, Steven Spielberg. Oh yeah, right. I've always liked that. Yeah, and it's um, a really great film. And I I remember hearing things like I think the name Kubrick brought baggage on that movie with mm-hmm. people where seemed to take umbrage with jokes in the film. I noticed uh-huh. like they're like, why does he have Chris Rock as a robot? And admittedly, uh-huh. like one of the film's missteps is the Robin Williams like voice of the robot guy but it's like Mm. it's 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 a nice little like fantasy but that movie is really kind of great i mean it really has a a talk about a tone like i mean it really has some just creepy dark ideas and it is kind of like basically a children's fantasy like a pinocchio story yeah but in a very
0: sort of dark tone and i think you're right that amongst uh like film people for for whom you know Kubrick is a is a god, um, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's if his name had never been associated with it, and this was only ever viewed as a Spielberg film, people
3: it would, would be have been, considered one of his best films because and they'd, they'd be been like, like, "Wow, it's wow. dark Spielberg." Yeah, yeah, look,
0: he's going dark. Whereas now people be like, "Okay, here's the Spielberg sequence, here's the Kubrick sequence." And it's like, well, it's a. That Kubrick sequence is a Spielberg sequence yeah. now because he didn't take it out and he didn't really cheapen it very much. And the it fact of much. the
3: matter is it's, it's a, I think, a slap in the face. As, as I think, I mean, I think we can talk about Eyes Wide Shut, although I think there mm-hmm. are a lot of critics that, you know, understand the greatness of that movie and filmmakers. But, like, it was kind of insulting at the time that it was like, oh, you know, he really didn't know what he was doing. This isn't very good. Where, like, a second viewing of that movie reveals that he knows exactly what he was doing. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it's kind of insulting to infer what Stanley Kubrick would have thought because you have an idea of 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 who he is. I mean everyone those movies are so personal to people, whether it's Clockwork Orange or two thousand and one or you know, people love the shining, particularly people like of your generation and my generation, you know, love the shining and and uh, they have an idea of everybody has an idea of what a Kubrick film is, but I mean you know, to me two thousand and one is a great film and I you know it's neck and neck with King of Comedy. I mean in many many ways it's the superior film, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it it is a movie about everything and it could be about anything to anyone really that mm-hmm. film. And I think yeah. that's its genius and and to say like, oh, you know, this is Kubrick would have made this darker, you know, and Spielberg yeah. you know, made this lighter. It it makes for that I think a really interesting tone and a really interesting movie the blend of mm-hmm. those two guys. Because it but isn't one hundred percent
1: a Spielberg movie, you know. It, yeah, it's also people like uh, trying to narrow Kubrick down to being one thing. This I, is yeah, I agree, and it, I don't think that's true. There was an
3: agenda behind that movie as soon as it came out, mm-hmm. which was like, "I'm waiting for something to happen," and and you go like, "God, there's there's like thirty great things," and then it's like, "Oh, then there's a robot with Chris Ro- Rock's voice," and you're like, "Yeah, but there's like." 50 minutes of like the most amazing thing yeah. until that and then there's another great
1: 40 and also minutes. The, the sequence with the Chris Rock robot. Yeah. Doesn't he get it's destroyed? It's, yeah. It's, it's really like, disturbing. It's terrifying. His head like yeah.
3: explodes and then it's like melting and he's like uh yeah. And, but I've heard things like, "Oh my god, they had light. they had motorcycles that have that are fluorescent." And you're just like <laughs> Okay, now you're like, "What's up with you?" Like, yeah. can you just like sit and just watch this movie? Yeah. And judge it on its own merits because it's a really great film, and I, the performances are excellent in it. And yeah. it's it's a cr- creepy movie, and it's just really kind of wondrous and good, you know.
1: And I'm glad uh, that you brought up Eyes Wide Shut because that's I hadn't thought about it, but that's I just that's watched one it again. Yeah, I haven't seen it in years, but I I loved it. It's great f- from the word go. And, but I think uh, it, that also, like you said, a lot of people bring a lot of baggage to that because yeah. it was like,
3: I think maybe in, in some cases underrated films or undervalued films are you know. The baggage that comes with seeing it when it comes out mm-hmm. is the thing that's kind of wiped away. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at – if you're in a video store, well, I guess they don't exist anymore. You're on Netflix and you see, wow, Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese and a movie with Jerry Lewis, The King of Comedy. And I've never heard of this. And you watch that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like Critics at the time did not get that movie at all. And that movie was a bomb. Like that mm-hmm. was That was one of those movies like Ishtar, which I think is also an underrated movie too – and even Apocalypse Now, which was not well-received uh, totally mm. when it first came out. It was kind of mixed. Where, like, there was so much about what was going on while they were making mm-hmm. it, and there was so many delays mm-hmm. that it was like they were just ready to, like, the critics had their claws out, and audiences, people had read about these movies. Heaven's Gate as well is an underrated film as well. It's mm. a very good film. But they had so much baggage when they come out. And I think now people like me who weren't really, like, I saw King of Comedy in the theater when it came out. My mother took me to see it. I mean, I loved it. I've loved it ever since. But I think a movie like Heaven's Gate, which I probably only saw in the last 10 to 12 years, I didn't have any of that baggage from yeah. the time. I was just yeah, seeing that either. like it was a new movie. You know. Although
1: I, I want to see the uh, – I, I watched Heaven's Gate, the director's cut, the like uh, yeah. four-hour long one. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to see the theatrical cut because – I don't know, I've always I've had I've had problems with Deer Hunter and I prefer it to Deer Hunter. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say prefer to Deer Hunter, but I still both of them are. Uh, I think Michael Cimino thinks thinks a little bit too much for himself. Like I think he's a good filmmaker, but I don't think he's nearly as good as he thinks. They're he not. Is. They're not. They're very good films. They're not great films.
3: They're not classics. I mean, mm-hmm. they're. I, I mean, I think the same thing about Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Foot is. A really great movie but there, there's there's something missing from all of them and I think you're right I think that that he does he gets caught up in himself but there's no excusing I mean there's no dismissing some of the remarkable things that are in those films like yeah just you know a really talented guy that maybe just didn't have the whole picture together you know
0: you mentioning uh Heaven's Gate reminded me of uh, another movie that uh that I I really love and I think you're right when people Probably for I, I give it like 10 years 10 years seeing a movie They might remember The details surrounding it Whether it be cultural Or just uh, We knew there were budget issues Or studio issues Or whatever So do
1: you think Maybe it's time to revisit Julie? <laughs> I've seen
3: maybe. it Maybe Yeah we uh, saw it I, know, a Actually a, c- a couple of great scenes In that I've heard Christopher Walken Al Pacino, and Al Pacino. And Al Pacino. Are great. Those are the yeah. great
1: parts of the movie And that's <laughs> it <laughs>
3: Yeah Um
0: and they, they don't last, unfortunately. But uh, but I, I'm a big fan of uh, a movie that tanks uh, Francis Ford Coppola, which is One from the Heart. Oh, yeah. Which is a. Critics didn't like it. People
3: still really don't like it. But yeah, I actually don't. I saw it when they re released it in the theater mm-hmm. a few years ago, and I. I I didn't really like it, but I I Mm -hmm. really admire it, technically. I think it's really remarkable. I don't think it totally works, but I have many friends, you know, a lot of people in the critical community, you know, Mm -hmm. think that that, you know, is a great film, so... And I like, I, I've come to, as strange as it sounds, I've come to respect a
0: certain level of crazy ambition. Yes. And that is, a movie, well, Coppola in general is a filmmaker with crazy I,
3: ambition. I, had to have learned to appreciate that about certain movies. There's mm. a movie, I could have talked about this on the Guilty Pleasures. I don't think I did. There's a movie I kind of admire. Waterworld? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, that was one I liked when I saw it, and then I realized it was high. <laughs> when I saw it later, on Laserdisc, of all things. But, uh. Is uh, what was I saying? Oh, crazy <laughs> ambitious. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's a movie directed by Wayne Kramer called Running Scared with Paul Walker. Oh, is that good? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, I mean, for me to say that to you would be like I really like it. It it belongs in that category of movies, which is like Smoking Aces is one, mm-hmm. and they're really just totally jacked up uh-huh. adrenaline. Like it's like watching a movie like it's like on speed. I think. Whoa. <laughs> Sonic Boom yeah, um, Spawn is a movie like that Which is about being fun, on yeah. speed But like They're just like Really hyped up And I don't always Necessarily like that But there's just some crazy bravado and ambition at work there. It's mm. just like oh. we're we're going to do this here. We're really going to we're going <laughs> to. You know what? This, you that know?
1: reminds me of a movie that I love and Tyler. I think you hated. Okay, which is um, Alan Rudolph's Breakfast of Champions. Oh, I
3: like that film too. Me too.
1: I, I liked it a but lot. I haven't seen
3: I, it since it came out, but I I like that.
1: Well, yeah, I liked it, and then I, I I liked it, and then Tyler and I when we first lived together, I was like. Tyler, you got to see this. I think I rented it just to watch it with you, and you, uh, you, it did not.
0: And of course, here's the thing: I didn't know what to expect, and it certainly did Perhaps not give he me built what you I up yeah. too much. Uh, maybe, maybe. And, it, and honestly, it's just uh,
1: and because it, it's uh, he did Trixie as well, correct? Right. Trixie, which right. is which has of course look, one of the funniest, the funniest lines in ever. the history of cinema. What Have you seen it? Trixie? No. It's, oh boy. It's Nick Nolte. So picture pictured Nick Nolte saying yeah. this: They're on a boat, and people are like. Uh, there's some shenanigans happening or whatever, and he's like, everybody, you know, in his gruff sort of nickname, everybody, quit clowning around. He says, when I was young, when I was young, when I was young my father took me to a circus, and a clown killed him. <laughs> <laughs> and he
0: just says it. If it were anyone else, the only other person I think could have really sold it with the level of seriousness is like a Gene Hackman or something. Right, right, right. Just He just says it with that stone face. And a clown Is it in any,
3: any context with anything or is it,
1: <laughs> No, oh. no. He's
0: just <laughs> he happened to say stop clowning around. And the word clown <laughs> set the character off. <laughs> so I did enjoy Trixie to a certain extent. And uh but no, Breakfast of Champions, I
3: think it was one of those where I was not expecting the tone well, that it that yeah. it had. Two things he's gotten weirder and weirder as he's gone on, and I think both Altman and and Rudolph, you know, toked on the the magic uh, weed for, for a long time And they got weirder
1: and weirder But, but I think Secret Lives of Dentists Was pulled back a little yeah, bit Yeah, I, I didn't enjoy that as much But I'll tell you
3: what He's made a film that's one of my favorites That's also not on video And it's not even available through any of these There's a fresh print of it that they show They've shown it at the Cine Family in New Beverly and it's called Remember My Name hmm. It's from the late 70s With Geraldine uh, Chaplin and Anthony Perkins who's another great underrated talent, Mm -hmm. and it's a thriller. It's a woman. It's basically a woman gets out of prison and stalking this guy who's married, and they've got some sort of history together, and it's Mm -hmm. great. If you ever get a chance to see it, see it. But the Nick Nolte thing, um, (laughs) I do one uh, impersonation, which is Nick Nolte in the movie Blue Chips, which (laughs) I've never seen. (laughs) Okay? Okay. Here we go. Shoot the ball, Jack! (laughs) Okay, there we go. That's it. <laughs> I have not seen Blue Chips, on. but Nick Nolte is a basketball coach, and Shaquille O'Neal. I don't. W- I assume it's called Shaq in the movie. Yeah, that, I was going <laughs> to say I don't think that's the character's oh, name. That's but it. That's. I don't do many impressions, but I do shoot the ball, Shaq. <laughs> there you go.
0: It's a. W- I have to assume it's a one sentence impression.
3: Uh, that's it. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's like my. I can do a really good Mickey Mouse with one sentence.
3: What is it? Oh, oh boy! <laughs> I've got Dustin Hoffman. One, one word. Okay. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's very good, but long. Long. Um, So what else is on your list yeah, yeah. of un- underrated movies? I'm trying to think because I, I stupidly uh, left my list, or it's it's out in the in the, uh, inner, in the, what do they call that? The blogosphere or blogosphere. whatever. <laughs> the F? No, the it's in the ether, right? Um, yeah. the cyber ether.
1: Well, let me bring up one then. There's oh,
3: I do know an older film that you oh, can go, see, go which ahead, is, a, is a movie from the '40s called Sahara, which is a Humphrey Bogart movie that's mm-hmm. not really talked about that much, but I think is one of his best, and it's you really like. i prefer like the remake it. myself. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, the, the joking. Matthew I'm joking. I'm yeah. uh, yeah. Steve Zahn
1: <laughs> <Zon laughs> romp. Um, Who was that? Was it Penelope Cruz? Who's yes? The, yeah. yeah. Oh, that movie's awful.
3: Breck Eisner, the son of Michael Eisner.
1: Yeah. He's, he's Although I've heard director. somewhat good things about The Crazies, his remake of The Crazies. I did see I've that. I've
3: heard m- some good, some bad. Yeah. Some good, some bad is what I would it. say. Yeah. But uh, uh, Sahara is great. It's a World War II movie. It was made as The Lost Patrol by John Ford. It's based on a short story. I can't remember the guy's name. In the 30s and then remade in the 40s as Sahara. And it's a group of guys a- in a tank in Africa in the desert out of fuel, out of ammo, they come upon a um, a an oasis mm-hmm. where there's a limited amount of water, and just as they and they have a German and an Italian captive, and mm-hmm. just as they find it, the Germans close in on them, and it's just sort of like if you like those siege movies, like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, yeah. or mm-hmm. like the thing where it's just a group of guys, like yeah. And each one of them gets knocked off, and you get to know each one that's in this mm-hmm. one location. It's it's a really great movie. I think it's from '43. It was basically a propaganda movie, I think, for World War II. But if you want to see, th- me that kind of movie. It's a great one.
1: Um, there's a There's a Billy Wilder movie. Uh, okay, when um, Quentin Tarantino made *Inglorious Bastards*, he he said a couple of times like, "This is my version of a kind of movie that would have been made during World War II." Right. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I don't want to. Spoil! I know some people. Are you talk about Five Graves it. to Cairo. Five Graves right. to Cairo is the movie I was going to talk about. Have you seen it? I
3: have. It's one of my films. I have a list of uh, 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 um, why isn't it out on DVD? Uh-huh. Yeah, like, I used to rent a VHS of it all the time. I'm a wilder freak, but th- from Video Journeys and Silver Lake, and I've seen it like three or four times. Yeah, great. and for, for those
1: who don't know, it is. It was made, I think, forty-three. It was yeah, made something like that during the war, and it in uh, it it's about. The, uh, Defeating Rommel in in the in the African. It's theater. also the
3: template for, it, for for Raiders of the Lost Ark in a lot of ways. It mm-hmm. really is like that kind of adventure film. It's it, yeah. It, it has a lot of those kinds of characters and archetypes yeah. and stuff in it. It's so fantastic, it, and yeah. it was.
1: Uh, I am drawing a blank right now on the cinematographer who worked with Billy Wilder on oh, like everything. Uh, Jack, John, uh, 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 Joe Lachelle
3: was the guy that worked with him later, but at that time, uh, God. I'm, I'm sitting here with all these devices in front of me, <laughs> but I'm not sure I'm hooked up to the Internet. Yeah, well. I've had some network connection. Well, we'll circle back around to that one. Oh, no, it's working. Okay. Let's we'll see well, who the cinematographer of Five Graves to Caro was. I, but I'm I think he also did know. Double
1: Indemnity, and he mm-hmm. might have been with him even up to Sunset Boulevard. Uh, and I cannot remember his name. but
0: uh, I could go run and grab my copy of Double Indemnity and look there. I've. Oh, it. David, you beat me to it.
3: Uh, Let's see who comes up with it first. I'm, I've got the magic of the iPad here. Yeah. You enjoy the iPad? I love it. <laughs> you 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 really I enjoy love it? it. Okay. I Okay. I really thought maybe it's just a toy at first, but it. Yeah. It's really. He, he doesn't have the Hold on, I uh-huh. got it. I got it. <laughs> okay. John F. Sights. John Sights. Yes. Seitz.
1: <laughs> yes. And
3: are are you clicking on John Sights? I am, and uh, we have. Uh, a lot of films. So I mean, these guys used to work like on a different movie every week. Yeah, Invaders from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the original would? Invaders from Mars. Check Sunset out John Sites and check it. so The Great Gatsby, the original one with uh, Alan Ladd. Lost Weekend, of course. Sullivan's Travels, Dublin Identity. Lost Weekend. I said that already. <laughs> Miracle yeah. Morgan's Creek. Wow, you know
1: Miracle Morgan's <laughs> Creek is another great one. Surges. Sullivan's <laughs> Travels.
0: Okay, now be careful because now the because you're looking down. The mic is literally just into your chin now.
1: Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's um, fine. but this yeah, so a, um, a chin a chinisode. A- chin- a- you, you said you used <laughs> to rent five graves to Cairo. Yeah, on I used to. Think there was a
3: VHS. I used to get that uh, a bunch of times because someone had given me as a gift a you know, Cameron Crowe did the book of interviews with Billy Wilder in mm. '98 or '99. I think it came out, and I'd gotten as a Christmas gift. And some of those films I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. And I've always, uh, you know, loved some like it hot and the apartment and but I hadn't seen uh, a lot of those films. So uh, I, you know, I was tracking them down at that time because he talks about all of them, including the ones that he that he wrote that he didn't direct, you know, and some in in, mm-hmm. uh, in Germany. But uh, it uh, that's a really great one. It, and it's not on DVD. It's one of those that that people are, are you know, always demanding. But I imagine it could be one that yeah. Criterion might put out because it is, it is one that people um. talk about a lot.
1: Speaking of Billy Wilder, I don't know if anybody here has ever listened to the commentary on A Beautiful Mind. Um, no, but just a, yesterday, <laughs> there's a part at the end of the movie when Russell Crowe, what, uh, John Nash, was that his yes. character's name, when he's older and and a younger like math student comes up and says, "I, you know, I loved your whatever your proof, whatever that you did on this one," and, and Nash's response is, "Oh yeah, everyone loves that one now, apparently." When Ron Howard met Billy Wilder, he said, "I love Sunset Boulevard," and Billy Wilder said, uh, "Everyone loves that one now." <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> which actually ties into underrated movies. I don't know, did Sunset Boulevard not do well when it came out? I don't, I don't, know. Know. I don't I
3: believe it did. I mean, it's you know, it, it was uh, certainly won a lot of Oscars and stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe financially it didn't, but uh, yeah, critically I think it was pretty well respected. You know what? Now that you bring it up, there's another movie that's, for some reason, mysteriously disappeared, and I. I I guess it's not that mysterious. It was regarded as bad, but I remember I saw it in the theater. My mom took us to see it, and it was in 1981. It was Billy Wilder's last film, Buddy, Buddy. Oh, wow. And it's a Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Jack Lemmon tries to kill himself. Walter Matthau is a hit man who, uh, unfortunately, I think he's, he's about to kill someone in the same hotel room that, that Jack Lemmon is trying to kill himself, and they get stuck together. And Klaus Kinski is in it. Oh, wow. My God. As, like, the bad guy. And I, all I remember is that it was... The Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau movie where they said the F word all the time because, like, it wasn't like a Billy Wilder thing to do and it wasn't a Lemon and Matthau thing to do. But it was like – but it's regarded as bad, but I don't think anybody's really seen it in 30 years. Hmm. I liked it. I was 10 years old, but I'd be interested, but it's another one that's not on and it's never been put out. I realize that this might be, you know, giving someone too much credit, but – how bad could it be? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know? I, like I, I now that was that came out at the same time that So Fine did, and I mm-hmm. mean, generally speaking, if there was a movie that I, there's some movies that aren't as funny now that I'm older, but like if there was something that I thought my my comedic sensibilities were really being built at that age because I was seeing all the Mel Brooks movies and the Woody Allen movies for mm-hmm. the first time and that was when like Zucker Zucker Abrams were first doing movies mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. when Landis was doing all his great movies and so I, and and I really had a fine tooth sense about what was what was funny at that time so I'm imagining it's probably funny yeah but mm-hmm. there's just those movies that you know look I'll, I'll come on the show and uh, eat my shoe in classic <laughs> Hershog style if it isn't any good and I see it again <laughs> but uh it 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 uh I imagine it, it probably is pretty good. I don't mm-hmm. know any of those movies that aren't enjoyable to just watch the two of them. Yeah. And then to hear – think about them swearing
1: at each other. is Yeah. Like, <laughs> you <know>. Well, you've <laughs> seen – well, Jack Lemmon and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Right. have seen that. Yeah. But, uh, well, it's shocking really in that, yeah. But like – No. I can't think of any examples where he – No, and
3: I, if I remember around that time he was doing those kinds of movies like Hopscotch and that and mm-hmm. uh, House Calls. They were R-rated movies and I think he was mm-hmm. doing it more than – Okay, you actually just hit on one because I I just forgot about this one was on my list, which is was a big bomb critically and financially. And it was like really one of the last great movies of a really underrated director, Michael Ritchie, who made great satires in the in the 70s, like Smile and Bad News Bears and Mm -hmm. um, The Candidate. And uh, it's The Survivors. It's a Walter Mathau and Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. I can and picture it, the cover. It's a satire of the late 80s, gun craze and vigilante sort of, the early 80s, like Bernard Getz and all that uh-huh. stuff and defense. And, uh, you know, two losers that, like, Robin Williams is a wimp who, who gets, I think he gets mugged and he goes crazy with guns. And Mathau also has something bad happen to him but isn't so extreme and... Um, Williams ends up, like, joining, like, a cult where they're, like, you know, like, uh, survivalist cult. And Jerry Reed is a ga- is a um, famous hitman who apparently is the guy who killed Jimmy Hoffa, uh, uh-huh. who they uh, mistakenly cross and comes after them. And it's really, really funny. I've seen it recently, and it's great satire. Again, tonally, it's a little dark, but it's one of the funnier Robin Williams movies for sure. And Matthau mm. is great. And uh, there's a scene where he's implying for uh, unemployment. And um, he's like, what do you mean? You're treating me so badly. I'm a veteran. I was in a war. And the woman says, what war? He goes, what war? The big one, Korea. (laughs) (laughs) It's just brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) He just tries to sneak that past him. (laughs) Uh, No offense to any Korean War veterans. (laughs) It was a great war. And Um. we respect your service.
1: Uh, I, I want to get uh, your opinion on a movie that our listeners know I think is uh, underrated, at least maybe critically. I think it did fairly well. I'm not sure. Uh, but it, it, it's part of my own. You're talking about crazy ambition. And uh, listeners know I love Apocalypto, the Mel Gibson <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah, it's a very good it, film. I, uh, I, I, th- agreed. I think, And I brilliant. can't find
3: anyone that's seen it. In, again, since Like anybody that's seen it that didn't see it when this big sort of shitstorm was going right. on when it came mm-hmm. out, that feels. I, I, just about everybody I know feels the same way. I haven't found anyone that doesn't think that movie's kind of great. Good, yeah. and um, I agree. Uh,
1: we we talked we ta- we talked about this. Separating on the show, right? politics ever, from movies. You did know. you hear mm-hmm. that um, uh, <laughs> Robert Duvall quote from the year that when 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 because <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, and he was like, "I don't give a fuck. I'm writing it in. It's the best film of the last twenty five years. That's right. <laughs>
3: it's better than the the Copa's Apocalypse. No, that's <laughs> yeah. another impersonation. I do. Oh. You're my favorite little girl (laughs)
0: You're getting a little close to uh, Art Carney there Oh, okay uh, (laughs)
2: um,
0: Yeah, I feel like uh, I kind of feel like the odd man out In the sense that uh, I feel like any movie that I would consider underrated I tell like friends uh, Like, I think that movie's underrated And they're like, I think you're an idiot (laughs) Uh, Like Ang Lee's Hulk I'm a big fan of Ang Lee's Hulk. I oh boy. maybe for the same reason because it is it is trying to be different, definitely. And it is tr- and in many yeah. in many ways I think it succeeds, certainly being different.
3: That's the kind of thing, though. Where it's like it's a fucking Hulk. Like, <laughs> it's I not mean, hard to do. Yeah. It's like a, there's a you know I haven't seen Cop Out, but it's like a cop buddy movie. Bruce Wells, Tracy Morgan. Like you don't need a roadmap, but by all <laughs> indications, apparently it's like terrible. And it's like yeah. it's like how do you fuck up pizza? You know what I mean? You put it in the <laughs> oven, it's pizza. You know, but yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. I just don't think that that was the right. I don't know. To me, it didn't work. I, I but I, I, you know, to be fair, I didn't care for the other Hulk movie either. That's true. Sure, I didn't yeah. see it. Um, Speaking
1: of Ang Lee, I think I, I think I need to revisit. Tiger. <laughs> I've always called. I think all of his films are overrated. Um, I like Sense and Sensibility. I like Brokeback the Mountain. Ice Storm. I like, I like Sense and
3: Sensibility, and I like the Ice Storm. Um, yeah, but I like them. I don't think they're great. Mm-hmm. And I,
1: uh, but I, I always k- said the Crouching Tiger was overrated and I feel like maybe I need to watch it again. I think it's overrated. Okay. Especially if you know, what, if you know, know
3: those other films that are like, I mean, please see it again, but if like, <laughs> there's so many great flying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, martial arts movies mm-hmm. from, from from Asia. It's really not, it was just the one that everyone saw over here, right. you know? Yeah. I want to,
0: I, I feel like, because I liked it at the time, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't love it, I didn't like,
3: it's not, it's not, none of his films are terrible. I don't no, think. Except it's, maybe Hulk. But, but I guess people, <laughs> like, I don't want to pick up. You on son you. of a bitch. <laughs> people,
1: uh. Hey, Roger
3: Ebert loves that. Well, I gave it three stars. It's as close
1: as
0: anyone who's oh, come did he? to oh, I it. Thought, I um, thought he was, like, really loved it. But
1: I think the reason maybe that, uh, 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 American art house audiences responded to Crouching Tigers because it takes itself so seriously as opposed to another, like, Iron Monkey or something, yeah. which has a lot of the same Well, it,
3: r- it rides both, uh, sick, uh, like, a lot of big hit crossover movies. Art house audiences can appreciate it and mainstream audiences can mm-hmm. appreciate it and i guess this mm-hmm. the other side of what i was saying about taxi driver is like right. i'm glad that that movie is a successful was a hit and people but, saw it but like i you know it doesn't matter at the end of the day why but like you know people could enjoy it as a vigilante movie or they could really enjoy it for what it is you know but mm-hmm. yeah
1: but i'm speaking to you you're you're talking about how there are so many other flying martial arts movies mm-hmm. Crouching Tiger gets respect here because it's so self-serious, whereas right. mm. Iron Monkey and other stuff that was coming out in the late '90s early 2000s, right, is just as just as accomplished in terms of action. Yeah, but your it's...
3: grandma's not going to go see uh, the <laughs> Drunken Master. Too, yeah, this is
0: going to sound a little. T- I think this might wind up sounding a little too dismissive, but
3: Orson we... Welles is a hack. Well, I'm not. <laughs> nah. I'm certainly not going to say that. But uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, as long as like we've got hero. You can watch Hero, <laughs> it, like you could say, like, oh, well, I'm going to watch. Let's watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's like, well, we have Hero now. We can watch that. <laughs> now I recognize you can watch both of them,
3: but yeah. one is. But yeah, Hero's you know, a, a. I recommend great film. watching Hero at Large with John Ritter. <laughs> <laughs> but or Hero I, I with Dustin Hoffman. Oh yeah,
1: that's not a very good one. No, I, I think there are people like like you, and I'm not judging, but your tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to like... Of martial arts movies, you're going to like Hero because it has the story and character. Yeah. And you're never going to be able to appreciate a thing like Master of the Flying Guillotine, which is just about how (laughs) awesome they can stage and execute these fight scenes. Street
3: Fighter's Last Revenge with Sonny Chiba, the third Street Fighter movie.
1: Oh, my God. It's amazing.
3: (laughs) Now...
0: Master of the Flying Guillotine. Now, if I'm not mistaken, speaking of solid movie lines, great. there is a, a character who I believe his name is wins without a knife. <laughs> I want to know what happens with that character, David. Oh,
1: right, he pulls out a knife, I think. Yeah,
0: he pulls out a knife, kills somebody, and wins the match, causing the master the, the lead character
3: to say something to the effect of Oh, he did have a knife. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, do you know what Peter Travers said? He said that that master of the flying guillotine is the master of flying guillotine movies. <laughs> see, even that's more clever than just <laughs> like, like, I'm going to just rearrange the words in this and add an S. Yeah. And that's my
0: review. Um, did you guys, uh, speaking of martial arts movies, and let's see if I can if I can hit with this one. Uh, did you guys see Unleashed? Yes, that's a good I one too. See that. With that's, Jet Li. That's one that AKA I AKA think... Danny the dog. That's what exactly. it's known in every other right. country. Um, that's one that uh, I think critics thought it was okay. I think the ridiculousness of it led most people and many critics to just be like, yeah,
3: what? I'm not going to, I don't think that's good. Yeah, it's like, I like a movie, like I like those, 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 I'm hard pressed to find like a bad Charles Bronson movie from the 70s. I mean, -hmm. they're not great, but they don't reach that high. They're just enjoyable entertainments and that's Mm -hmm. what that is or taken, you know, like it's just like straight up, that you know, Bob Hoskins finds Jet Li <laughs> on the street as a kid, keeps him on a leash in a basement for years, and trains mm-hmm. him to be a killing machine. Until blind Morgan Freeman, and his daughter with braces, yeah, takes him in, and you know he learns about ice cream. <laughs> see, this is why <laughs> and kills people.
1: Another movie I rewatched recently was The Departed, and uh, that movie's
3: gotten better for me. I didn't think much of it the first time.
1: I can't. I, I think the the thing is. I like Infernal I still Affairs. I overrated, but the, the movie it's based on Infernal Affairs, which is just that kind of simple idea. Like, okay, there's an undercover cop with the mob, and yeah. then there's an undercover mobster in the cops. Let's ha- let's have fun with that and mm. Infernal Affairs tells exactly the same story as The Departed it's an hour shorter because it doesn't take itself right. so seriously it's just a mm-hmm. a fun cool genre movie right. and, and that's why I'll always prefer i, I admittedly uh, I have not seen Infernal Affairs it's worth Affairs, checking out no. despite that ridiculously embarrassing name no I mean
3: I had heard about <laughs> it for so long and then I saw The Departed and I was just like eh yeah The Departed yeah. is. W-
0: it has remained it has not grown or shrunk uh, sin- in my mind since I've seen it it has remained what it was at the time a movie that's Pretty solid, yeah. uh,
3: not wonderful, uh, but immensely watchable. I own it, and yeah. I revisit it frequently. I do, too. I, I find that sometimes a movie, I was like, uh, I, I liked it okay, but it's like, I remember Casino, five years after Goodfellas, really did not seem that good after, after Goodfellas, because it it uses so many of the same tools that were mm-hmm. really great, and that movie today, is. Just, I just watched it last weekend, it's just remarkable. It's a different movie, and it uses a lot of the same things, but it's out out of Goodfellow's shadow it's it's you know it can be its own thing and and you know departed is a movie with time like i find myself thinking about it and then i return to it and mm-hmm. i find myself liking it better that being yeah. said it has some 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 things in it that are just like Ugh. but mm-hmm. cuz you
1: know uh, and maybe this is uh, this is my own baggage that i bring to movies if a movie's over a certain length i'm maybe going to go in with a chip on my shoulder like all right prove to me that you deserve to be this long Yeah, that you deserve that I, that you're worth me spending this much of my time. That and movie my, has an hour of
3: exposition. Which mm-hmm. one? The casino? Yeah, it's yeah. just the narration over for an hour, and then it's just like watching these people just explode. It's just amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so th- I, I like Casino a lot, but I like it a lot more now that I have it on DVD and I can watch yes. it. Yes. I can take breaks and stuff.
3: A movie that does not earn that is King Kong, Peter Jackson's
1: <sighs> King Kong. The movie. But uh, I don't have to tell you uh, I'm a big fan of King uh, The movie Ping literally Kong. stopped the movie stops and then King, King Kong, Kong fights a dinosaur. <laughs> but the part where King Kong, Kong fights the dinosaur, the rest of the movie just stops and it's just a sequence that goes on forever of him fighting the dinosaur. I liked it
3: in that movie that was just like I haven't seen it since it came out. But it was like seemed like CGI everything like if somebody picked turned a lamp on like the string <laughs> on the lamp had to be CGI. It's just like <laughs> dude that That's sequence great. is
0: what I point to whenever I say like, yeah, Blu-ray with an HD, uh, you know, HDV, TV uh, that that will ruin that movie for you or that sequence because I know people that don't like the movie but do like that sequence. Which sequence? The T-Rex sequence. Oh, why? Why does it look bad on Blu-ray? Because it's so it becomes so diggy that you're yeah. just like, uh, I know that this is like a cartoon now.
3: I don't think they did that Blu-ray very well though because I hear people. I often, I'm a big proponent of Blu-ray. I think it's the best mm-hmm. thing that happened to movies in a long time. Be- and especially because something we're talking about, it makes old movies look new and, keep, and it really Th- looks great. But, like, if you see movies in the store mm-hmm. in with the lights on and up close, it doesn't look right. You mm-hmm. have to be sitting back a certain distance with the lights off because it's, it's got a grain to it like film. But I've heard many people, I guess they show King Kong as the demonstration in yes, the yeah. door. Yeah. And not, when and I bring Spider-Man people 3. over to see it, and I always convince them that it's amazing, but they always go, oh, I've seen that. It doesn't look bad. It hurts my eyes. I've seen the King Kong. And hmm. I'm like, so maybe they didn't do a good job. Did you on see
1: line. the new Predators
3: Blu-ray that so many fans say? is Predators, Not Predators. Uh, Predator, yes. No, I, 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 I have they, it at home, but I haven't watched it yet. But I heard that they, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I don't, have, seen it. Seen I don't have a Blu-ray pe- player. But Sometimes they're Blu-ray. a little overzealous when they attack that yeah. stuff, but is it bad? I've, uh, I've, I've only seen
0: stills of it. And it really it makes Arnold Schwarzenegger I don't know if they
3: They said everyone looks kind of like waxy and kind of they look like uh, they look I like the, the Universal old, Studios version of them moving around. Very, I had the, the original Blu ray transfer and it wasn't very good. And mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite movies. That mm-hmm. that's yeah. a movie of that genre that I was talking about, like Sahara. I feel like Predator you probably would like Sahara. But but like um I, I the new transfer, sometimes if people don't like it, they get rid of grain. I Sometimes I like it when they really recreate the little look, like especially the older movies, they're doing a great job with those. Sometimes it's nice when it looks really cool. Like Blade Blade Runner looks remarkable, but it Mm. looks like different than it's ever looked before. Mm -hmm. But I I have to say I haven't looked at the Predator one yet, but I have heard the criticism that it looks – they cleaned it up too much. Mm. I think that's—it's a complaint people have about digital music, too, you know, that, mm. like, it doesn't sound like it used to sound, that the MP3 is sort of taking mm-hmm. the character out of it. But
1: hmm. Well, we should probably start wrapping up. I wanted to mention Josie and Entering the Pussycats. The, the
3: third hour here. Josie and the Pussycats is good?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really, really funny movie. I saw it at, like, a $1 theater in, outside of St. Louis so after, you know, a second-run theater. Uh, just for something to do, and uh, I loved it, and I've uh, since revisited it many times. It's got he's I mean, got Alan Cumming and Parker Posey. Oh, right. uh, it's got... Um, uh, Alan
3: Cumming has a cologne called Cumming. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't yeah, know that, but that's true. awesome. Um, <laughs> Sounds and the about p- right. The ad is him cradling the bottle in a suggestive way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got uh, a good cast, and it's got a lot of... Uh, Clearly, they d- you know they're just making it to trade on the name. So I don't think that the studio was looking that closely. And nobody at it. even knew what that so was anymore. I mean, no one yeah. knows. What so they use it as a as a way to b- have some really sort of absurdist jokes and some uh, uh, heavy anti-consumerist. Uh, it's anti-advertising. like a commentary on like the music industry and stuff. It's right? about advertising in general. Like the the main story is that Parker Posey uh, is putting subliminal ads into pop songs. So it's like they live, but like with a girl <laughs> right. rock group. Yeah. <laughs> uh and yeah it's a, it's a very smart and very funny movie i, I haven't it. seen it. i can't speak to it but uh we'll check it out i've uh, i've
3: got i one think of five graves the cairo uh Pujolsky and the pussycats double feature is <laughs> often. yeah <laughs> sorry tyler
0: that's fine um yeah i know the one that uh david you you're a fan of and i am also a fan of but uh i i wind up having to defend this one quite a bit and that is
3: mars attacks oh yeah. love it yeah you, lo- you love it really oh What's good people's problem with that movie like You're that. There's a movie that goes. This is what this is. Here you go. You like
0: what? Well, and I've only recently been able to like defend it from like a film criticism point of view, where mm. it's just like it's a parody of movies like Independence Day, where it's a huge, so a huge, ro- a huge roster of stars, and
1: everything blows up. Right. And it's aliens. And it's like, based that's on it trading is. cards. Yeah. But it also, really has, horrifying it, it also has a weird, macabre sense of humor that I don't think people were expecting. Well, and it's also sincere. Satir-
3: well, Independence Day was the biggest movie of that year, and it came mm-hmm. out six months later, and it was undeniably in its shadow. Mm-hmm. And that movie just. I mean, you know, I kind of mildly entertained it, was entertained by when it came out, but that doesn't hold up at all. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I've watched it recently. And too. so it's kind of too bad that a movie like that has suffered from being in the shadow of another movie, whereas now. Mm-hmm. Although I do notice it has a following now because it's it's like they're bringing it out on Blu-ray. It must, you know, people must keep buying it. It's always really? like, yeah. Which Man. Mars attacks? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I just feel like people uh, again like we we talk about not being able to sell the tone of the movie. People were going in because it was advertised as a straightforward comedy mm-hmm. and then a minute in you've got horses on fire which yeah. Uh, yeah. it's cows. it's a cows on fire. Big cows stampede on stampede of cows. Yeah. Exactly. It's a Come on, of cows. barbecue. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> they're not they're not monsters. Any that movie made this where you movie, like you blow, cows. you
3: blow up the aliens' head by um, Slim, Slim Whitman. Whitman. But you know, there's things like that's a the so, Mars tax is sound drops from on the Howard Stern show every day. Huh? They, they always talk about that. And then he brought it up the other day when he was talking about destroying people like with Slim Whitman. He <laughs> was comparing to some news story I can't remember. I mean, I'm an avid Stern listener, so I but. I don't know. I, yeah, th- at the time, that movie was a big bomb, and
0: and also it became a th- okay. I remember at the the nineteen ninety eight Oscars when Nicholson was up for As Good as It Gets and was going to win, uh, and and it was kind of like, oh, he's he's back. He he hadn't really made a good movie in a while, and or a movie that was ex- successful, and so uh, so Billy Crystal sang a song about As Good as It Gets and singled out like jack nicholson like oh he's he's back how exciting and then he says uh he said he mentions mars attacks as being like a huge misfire and then uh, a couple years after that michael j fox won an emmy or something and uh the first thing he said when he got up to accept was like hey sorry about mars attacks and i was just like yeah that doesn't the... seem
3: right somebody yeah. did that the other day too who was it somebody apologized for something oh it was uh it was um, Ben Affleck was interviewing somebody from his movie, I think the, uh, Blake Lively, uh-huh. and she, like, makes a joke about Pearl Harbor, and he's like, I mean, you know, think of what you will. <clears throat> I, you know, I'm in the film. I recuse myself from it, and it's, you know, regarded as, like, a terrible movie overall, mm-hmm. but, like, honestly, like, there's the invasion sequence in that movie is really great, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I won't say that it's a good movie, but, like, I don't like it when people, like, Dis the sh- stuff that they did because they took a lot of money for it. They did press and told people to go see it. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of other people worked on the movie.
1: I remember Jack Black at a press conference for Shark Tale apologized <laughs> for Envy, and I wanted to be like Jack Black. You are at a press conference for Shark Tale, right? Mm-hmm. Envy did not succeed. Nacho Libre, I, I think, is a, a very underrated movie. That's but I, movie. I think Envy, just... I I I enjoyed Envy. It's a little off kilter okay. and bizarre. It's uh, it seems maybe a little almost unfinished. Uh, yeah. I- in a way, it seems like it's a rough cut. Yeah, uh, but Natural Libre a is a great
3: movie. movie, especially if you have kids. I-, I think that belongs in the pantheon with Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I think it's that good. Because hmm. huh. we
0: are not fans of uh, Napoleon Dynamite.
3: No, I'm a fan. Oh, wait, no, you're right. I'm not a fan of Napoleon Dynamite. I like yeah. it better than Napoleon Dynamite. Really? Okay. And I think that the problem that people had was that like people thought Napoleon Dynamite was hip, and this is a straight out kind of a kids movie, mm-hmm. and it was like not hip. And they were like, "Well, what the hell is this?" Again, uh-huh. like it did, although it did pretty well, but not like Gangbusters, which I think it should have. But I, I really enjoy it. I think you should see it. So you, you're saying that uh, I think
0: I think one of the things that we've I'm going I'm trying to wrap up here, David. Um, I think one of the things that entering the third hour here that we've <laughs> that we've come to is like one of the big things with a movie being underrated. Um, we didn't dissect it too much. Is that the best way to really see a movie is almost divorced from a lot of the stuff around it when it came out, yeah. whether it be the buzz about that movie or the buzz about a movie. The that guy was similar, texting in front of you. Well, that's mm. yeah. Well, that's <laughs> we'll talk about that with Danforth. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, so it's just
3: I don't know. And, and yeah, I'm, Ishtar. I mean, a lot of people really, a lot of big critics, a lot of people mm-hmm. will see that movie and tell you it's funny. But like that movie is still used as a punchline to yeah. mm-hmm. mean bad movie, and it's like. God, there's just so many worse movies. Yeah. And
0: to me, it's, you know, it's similar to like when I, you know, when, when other people like in the Christian community talk about Last Temptation of Christ, they only, they only ever remember the controversy. That's right. the only thing. They've not seen the film. And I, I haven't and they're seen not, it. Oh, oh, I, I'm a huge fan of no, it. No, I want I, I do want to see it. And it's one of those things like, oh, and that one, the controversy is probably never going away. Yeah. But maybe. Um, Certainly not now. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What did I say? <laughs> what? I don't know. Did I say... Hang on. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you talking about... <laughs> did I say Passion of the Christ and I meant yeah. to say Last Temptation?
3: Oh, I thought you said Passion. Oh, I think sorry. you said Last Temptation. Okay, uh, I said Last Temptation. You did. You I'm heard thinking passion. of the Passion of the Christ. Okay.
1: Oh, right. That got really uncomfortable in here sorry. for a second.
3: <laughs> okay. Passion of the Christ is a good movie.
0: Hang on. Are you talking about Last Temptation of Christ? Last Temptation <laughs> of Christ, yeah.
3: <laughs> I haven't seen The Passion of the Christ. Okay. Um... That's the Mel Gibson movie, and you're talking about the Scorsese movie. I'm talking about the Scorsese Sorry, movie. Sorry, my,
0: my bad. It's fine, um,
3: but uh, but yeah, and no, there's
0: in the in m- in many aspects of the Christian community, Passion of the Christ, the most not uh, un. Uh, controversial film in the world. <laughs> um, Certainly, very successful movie. Very yeah. much so.
3: Yeah, no, I, I had to cross through a picket line to see Last Temptation of Christ in the theater hmm. in the one theater in Chicago that, the, that that was brave enough to play it. The biograph where uh, John John
1: uh, oh, yeah. was shot. <laughs> yeah, and where? Let's see, what did I see? At the biograph, The Rules of Attraction. I saw that. There. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw. the oh, four that's right. Feathers he with Heath, Led- there, yeah. Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger and I together went to see feathers. And he r- reached, he leaned over, soul. and apologized. Oh, um <laughs> <laughs> confessions <pretty> of a <laughs> dangerous mind. I saw confessions of a dangerous mind That's at the at one. the Biograph. Mm-hmm. It's closed now. I don't know if you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. it closed before before I even. They moved. had
3: torn yeah. it up in the nineties. They t- they they kept the one downstairs big, but they put like two little ones upstairs. Yeah, which is so where I saw Rosebud. Quality from. was going down a little bit, but I saw a lot of things there over the years. I thought they were just running. Rent- this is for like.
0: So few people, but I thought they were renovating it. Like when the last last time I was there, I thought that they
1: uh, like it was still closed, but I thought it was renovating going it to into
3: a Chipotle. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's a win. that's I'm a win for everybody. S- something like that is there, but, now and I probably. think the
1: the Three Penny across the street is now closed too. Yeah, ah. that's
3: sad. That was the place that used to have two fifty night on Tuesdays. Yeah, they showed art house stuff like usually like a couple weeks after it had first. Come yeah, out. I
1: saw Maholland Drive there.
3: We saw, saw Maholland Drive there. I saw a Scream there. Really? Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas.
0: This is all very sad. I had now. a
3: homeless man attack me during the Joy Luck Club with <laughs> the three penny. The funny thing I with scream, the three uh, penny. Uh, s- start singing Tell It Like It Is by Ivan Evel. The,
1: the three penny was, uh, you know, a lot of the theaters that are old that still exist were are the big like movie palaces. Yeah. The Three Penny was a Nickelodeon right. that that mm-hmm. survived, and that was, i mean—they had the little box office that was literally like a person yeah. could barely even turn around if they were. Yeah, it was
3: not that dissimilar from the New Beverly Lobby. Like, mm-hmm. let me mm-hmm. like, a little smaller, but yeah. yeah. Um, R.I.P. The Three Penny. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Biograph. Yeah, it's so. like the end of the Dirty Dozen where they say all their names: the <laughs> Biograph, the Three Penny, the Esquire,
1: the <laughs> clerk Court. They all died for their country. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> All, All right, right. Well, on that note. Yes, uh as a, uh, okay our uh, our live show. Um round 3 we're doing September 11th. Uh it's a <laughs> too soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a at uh, Meltdown Comics, as always, on Sunset Boulevard at seventy-five twenty-two Sunset Boulevard. Boulevard. It'll be eight p.m. Five bucks to get in. All the free beer you can drink. Tip your tip your uh, bartender. Yeah. Uh Sean Conroy will be there. Yeah. Sean
3: Champagne. Connery is coming out of. <laughs> wow. Retirement.
1: You just made the same
0: joke as all of my dumb jackass friends. thanks really? Pat
3: <laughs> Sean Connery from Last Temptation of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I was passionate about the Passion. <laughs>
3: Uh, Sorry Uh, Go ahead Keep plugging
1: Yeah Sean Conray Matt Champagne um, Paul Gilmartin and Stephen Tobolowski. Yes. wow Tobo yeah Tobo it's, it's going yeah. Yeah, to uh, <laughs> be Patron a, a great time of us character actors <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be a great time so come out uh, other than that you can find us at battleshippretention.com or in iTunes you can email us david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com you can follow me on twitter at twitter.com slash the pretension or you can follow tyler on twitter at twitter.com slash more lessons which is the official twitter of his other podcast more than one lesson which you can find at more than one dot com or in itunes and you can find my other podcast the weekly television review show previously on at previously on dot com or on itunes where can people find you pat
3: uh i can be found on twitter uh at pat slash not slash but what's that underscore the, uh, underscore healy uh tumblr the pat healy. dot com uh, tumblr dot com something like that the pathealy.tumblr.com. Um, my my Tumblr is actually uh, named after a line from the King of Comedy. His favorite color is plaid. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be seen soon, probably early next year, in the new film by Ty West, who's a great young horror director who had The House of the Devil mm-hmm. uh, last year, which is another great underrated movie called The Innkeepers, which I, I think should be hitting theaters sometime early next year, or festivals at least. Mm. Early next year, and then probably come out uh, later on in the year. And um, in my bathroom, in a fedora, reenacting scenes from Mad Men. (laughs) All right.
0: (laughs) And you know, actually, I did want to mention since uh, seeing you last, Mm -hmm. um, or at least having you on the show last, uh, I I, uh, watched Great World of Sound. Oh, great. And. it's a really great movie. I highly recommend it. Thank uh, you. Pat is the lead. No character acting here. No, no, yeah. He's the lead I, I, of the film. I'm
3: very proud of that movie. And I I think that I hope that that's a movie that it was certainly well received by critics and it just mm. didn't find its audience, but I I hope that's a movie that that finds its audience because uh, it's a really great one. I'm it's great it.
0: f- it's great for a lot of reasons. Great acting, great characters, wonderful music.
3: It's very timely too. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you don't want to see a movie about like the kind of things we're going through now financially and and whatnot, mm-hmm. and but uh, it really uh, w- uh, would strike a chord, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. You may enjoy it. And it's very funny as well. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's a it's a good one, and I, I thank you. I tell uh, I tell everyone that I thanks for the play I can to see it but to see it. So, anyway, uh, everybody, thanks uh, for it's listening. Matter you didn't see it. I, didn't, I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, my 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 copy is actually uh, damaged. It's got a little. Oh, you uh, got go, I'll it. get you a new copy. Hey, all right. Now we're talking. No you got boxes and boxes in that apartment. I know,
3: I know. I know people who know people. You know what I'm saying. Fair <laughs> enough. Fell off the back of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Pat, thanks for being here. Thanks a lot, guys. I, r- I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was all
0: fun. Right. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>